This is Here Arizona, addressing issues, empowering our community. I'm Kathy Ritchie. I spent 10 years helping care for my mother after she was diagnosed with dementia. And as a reporter, I'm taking a deep dive into the ups and downs of growing old. This is Here Arizona's Aging Podcast. So here's a fact about aging. At some point as we get older, we're probably going to have to depend more on others. Maybe our kids will step in to take care of us. Maybe our siblings. Maybe we'll come to rely more on healthcare providers. Maybe we'll need help financially. But when you've lived an independent adult life, the idea of accepting help from other people can be, well, daunting. And for some people, the idea of relying on family for support or of putting your trust in strangers is complicated and painful. This is especially true for many older adults who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. There was a period of time when I was seven or eight years old where every night when I went to bed, I prayed to wake up as a girl, which was just really confusing. My mom said to me that I was dead and buried and going to hell, and I was not her daughter, and I was not part of this family. Conservative Catholic family, and being gay would be a horrific thing, so you don't come out. I never did come out to my parents. Because appearances were very, very important to my parents. And wondering why I didn't fit and wondering what was wrong and and having this pebble in my shoe and not knowing what that was about. You know, 20, 30 years ago, people weren't just doing that. And now I have straight friends. It got even worse than that. I haven't spoken to him since. Dead and buried and going to hell. And I was going to hell. And I was just really confused. Confused. If you've experienced rejection, judgment, or discrimination from those close to you, those traumas can leave deep scars. Album, but these, this is my whole family growing up in Arcadia. My dad's not in the photo because he must have been taking it, but five kids all on our bikes. We're ready Lori to go Provost is in her mid-50s, and she's and starting to look ahead to retirement. But she's also starting to look back on her life, and she's realizing the family rejection she faced for being a lesbian has impacted her in so many ways. The little curlers here, the little pink curlers. Um, I know this is my childhood, and I know this is my lovely upbringing, but it's so far removed from me now, it feels like it must have been another lifetime. Lori is one of five siblings. She grew up in Phoenix, and she came out to her family when she was a 21-year-old college student. Her mother told her she was no longer welcome in the family. And... That was that. She was cut off. Um, since my dad died, we've had to see the trust documents. And it, on every other page, it says, excluding my daughter, Lori Provost, in parentheses. It'll list the other siblings, and this is what's going to happen. And then on every page and every chance she got, she put excluding my daughter, Lori Provost. Lori runs her own marketing and communications business. She's been able to take care of herself, and she says it's not as though she was entirely banking on an inheritance from her parents someday. But at the same time, she sees how exclusion from her family has come with financial consequences. You know, I didn't get help with paying off a loan or buying a car or a wedding, for God's sake. You know, all the money that's put into the other siblings, the other family members that are still in 
you know, yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to be like that person that's saying this is unfair. There was five dollars. There's five kids. We should have each gotten a dollar. But I was taught that that is what it would be. Of course, money is just one concern. What's really gotten to Lori over the years is the emotional weight of being shunned by those closest to her. I don't think I advanced as far in my career as I could have. I really don't. I kind of had to stop and work part-time and take care of my mental health because I'm mentally just so upset about what's been going on with my family that it debilitates me. Now that she's starting to think about retirement, all of those financial setbacks are starting to feel more distressing for her and for her longtime partner, Chris. So there is a little pressure to um, make sure that we're both set up for the future. But there's another aspect of family that leaves Lori and Chris feeling less secure. I think the biggest difference for most of the people in the gay community as we grow old is that we don't have children. So Yeah, it's one of my biggest regrets not having children. I don't like to have regrets at all, but I am a children person. Like, I love kids. I wasn't going to do it on my own back in the day. It just didn't seem like an option, but I really wish I had my own children. That is often who takes care of their elders. Um, Us not having that will mean that we have to come up with an alternative plan. Broken family ties, the psychological toll of rejection, the mischance at becoming a mother... Those things add up, and now Lori is not exactly where she wants to be looking ahead to retirement. We've talked about putting up tents in our backyard and anyone who needs a place to be, but we have often joked with other friends about how we'll help each other, you can live here, and we'll stay together, and it's like a a community planning. Lori and Chris joke about it, but it's true. A lot of older LGBT people face these same challenges. You know, a woman today, if she's a lesbian, if she's 78 today, then, you know, she was born in 1940, and she has grown up with being told that she is mentally ill for being a lesbian. Um, She's been told... Sandy Davenport is now retired, but was formerly with the Pima Council on Aging. Pushed away by family and friends and community. Many times she's been rejected by religious organizations that she wanted to be affiliated with and told that... Uh, she's an abomination, and she may have been arrested for being a lesbian. I met Davenport when she was teaching a no-cost workshop for long-term care providers and other organizations that work with aging populations. The program is called Project Visibility. It started in Colorado. The goal is to help these caregivers understand how to make LGBT elders feel respected and welcome. People in the corner and saying, are you gay? Um, Rather, um, we recommend um, using the check sheet you're going to see in your manual about what what does my agency do as far as inclusive procedures? How can we improve our intake forms? So that they Davenport do not says a lot of providers don't receive any sensitivity training to help them serve diverse populations. And it can be easy to forget everything that older generations of LGBT people have lived through. Those changes have been very recent, that those kinds of laws and those kinds of labels as mentally ill have changed. Davenport says providers need to understand those traumas can have serious repercussions in so many areas of someone's life. This population is more likely to be experiencing 
depression. They're more likely to be isolated from family who could be a support network. They're more likely to have um, reduced economic status. And it's not just that. We um, discovered from some of the research that LGBTQ elders are five times less likely to access senior services because of fear of being treated with prejudice or discrimination, neglect, or even abuse. Older adults often have more reasons to seek out social support or medical care. But what happens when going to the doctor brings up those same fears of discrimination? Oh, my body has definitely passed its warranty period. Erica Kepler is in her mid-50s. I uh, certainly am having increasing encounters with the healthcare system. It can be things like back pains coming in, arthritis. At my age, that becomes an increasing frequency. And for Erica, the challenges of dealing with the healthcare system are made harder because Erica is a transgender woman. She says she knew from the time she was a small child she wanted to be a girl, but it wasn't until she was in her 40s that she felt she had the resources to transition. Like I say, I decided I was going to change sex for the first time in uh, 1970 and decided again in, 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 2000, in 2004, I guess. My life took a direction that didn't allow it, and there really was no information available that I could find back then. Erica knew transitioning would be a major life shift, and it would come with challenges. But she didn't realize some of the prejudice she'd faced would come from her own doctors. Um, There are plenty of people in the healthcare profession who are kind and compassionate with us, but you really don't know. I I did have an experience. I tried to use the same optometrist post-transition that I'd use pre-transition, but my optometrist was obviously extremely uncomfortable with me, rushed through an exam, and that that taught me a lot about how important it is to try to find practitioners, even for something like just prescribing glasses, that I need to find someone who will be okay with me or I can't even know if I'm going to get a, a, a good pair of glasses. Imagine, that was just one trip to the optometrist. What if Erica needs more serious medical care? A 2018 study by AARP found 70% of trans or gender expansive adults feared they might have to hide who they are in order to seek out long-term care. I'm real, I am very concerned, and I think about it a lot, that some kind of physical or mental disability could come over me, and I, who am ordinarily a very independent, very self-sufficient person, would find myself in a situation where I simply couldn't take care of myself. And that does scare me. And um, at this point in time, I don't really know what I can do about that except to save money. Erica just wants to have the financial freedom to be able to afford the best care possible and to be able to choose doctors and caregivers who treat her with respect. But saving money for transgender people can be difficult too. The National Center for Transgender Equality has found nearly 30% of trans people live in poverty. That's more than twice the national average. Trans people are also less likely to own homes and more likely to experience job discrimination. And again, trans people face high rates of family rejection and might not have family networks to fall back on. I like to say transgender people are the bravest people on earth because of what we confront every single day, that that we'll walk out of the house dressed ways that a, a soldier in Iraq wouldn't walk out of the barracks dressed as. 
we have to push through our enormous fear and, and, and uh, confront a world which we, we don't know how they're going to react to us. For caregivers and the long-term care facilities that support older adults, it's not always obvious how best to accommodate communities who have faced these hardships. Our former CEO was uh, LGBT, and she is one who kind of set the tone. But in recent years, it became part of our promise. Reverend David Reagan is with Beatitudes Campus, a retirement living facility in North Phoenix. We work very hard to participate in pride parades. We had a bus with our name on it with uh, many of our members. We have PFLAG, Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, a meeting taking place right here, and that's very intentional. Reagan likes to say Beatitudes is radically hospitable, and maybe he is kind of a radical. The fact is, it's pretty unusual for a retirement community to be this welcoming to the LGBT population. Reagan says really showing support for LGBT people means not only putting up an equality sticker in the window, not just letting a same-sex couple room together, it's about building real connections and making sure everyone is fully welcomed into this new social scene when they enter long-term care. Jessica Meyer is Director of Success Matters at Beatitudes Campus. It's kind of like going to school as a freshman in college. You meet all new people, you have to find all new cliques, and that can be very off-putting. And some folks in many communities we know go back into the closet. And here we're finding people are coming out of the closet. 85% of nonprofit continuing care facilities are affiliated with a religious institution. That's according to the organization SAGE, which advocates for LGBT elders. A lot of older LGBT people have experienced rejection from their religious communities throughout their lives. So maybe that's one reason retirement care can feel so hard for LGBT people. But Reagan says Beatitude's acceptance of LGBT residents is built into its religious mission. The facility is affiliated with the United Church of Christ. That's what I think I love about our, our mission, is that we stand behind it. When we proclaim ourselves inclusive and open, we don't hide that. And we want people to know coming in here that they, everybody's welcome here. Not all facilities see it that way. A retirement community near St. Louis, Missouri in 2016 denied housing to a lesbian couple because they were in a same-sex marriage. The facility said its biblical core values mean it defines marriage as one man, one woman. And in many parts of the country, that kind of housing discrimination is still legal. That weighs on the minds of many LGBT people. You don't consciously think about it. It's, it's part of your subconscious. It's always there. Bill Sabatino is in his mid-70s. His longtime partner, Dean Taylor, is in his late 60s. You, you never know. I was looking at uh, condos to rent in Park City, Utah, and one was available. And suddenly when the owner found out who we were, it wasn't available. The family decided not to rent this year. Did that have anything to do with our being a gay couple? I don't know. I can't prove it, but I sure suspect it. Dean say since moving to Arizona about 10 years ago, they've had only maybe one or two moments when they felt discriminated against. But Bill has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and now the couple has started looking into assisted living facilities. And that nagging fear about discrimination is in the back of their minds. 
Dean says he thinks about the fact that Arizona outlaws housing discrimination based on race, religion, sex, but not sexual orientation or gender identity. I can tell you in terms of being a, a gay person that I'd feel a lot more happy if we had that in writing on the books, that there would be no way that it would be okay to discriminate in some way because you just don't accept LGBT people. Luckily, Bill says they've been pleasantly surprised by the process of searching for a home. I dared to ask the question each time, we're a gay couple, is that a problem? No, no, we'd love to have you, we'd love to have you. No, six out of ten didn't accept Parkinson's, but that was a policy written on their books, had nothing to do with our being gay. Some of them are still calling even after we told them we made our decision, we picked it. They still want us. That's pretty embracing. It's still an issue in a lot of places. It's still an issue in a lot of places. We're just blessed that we haven't found it here in Scottsdale. We found the opposite here in Scottsdale. Dean and Bill are grateful that when the time comes to choose a long-term care facility, they'll have options. It means for now they can just focus on Bill's health and fully enjoying their time together. If we're going to live this time that we have, which is at a high quality of living, worrying about the end of his life or my life, we're going to miss the party. We're going we're to miss the fun. We're going to miss the good time. When it comes to retirement, LGBT people often just have more to think about. They are concerned about how they do age, what caregiving looks like, health care, making sure that housing is available to them, that they're not discriminated against. Dana Kennedy is state director of AARP Arizona. AARP hosts events and workshops on health, finances, and jobs for people over 50. So she's thought a lot about what retirement looks like for all populations of older adults. You know, I think that aging is already challenging. And then if you add another layer to aging, as far as the discrimination, I think that it just is like a double punch. And we need to make it easier for people to age in place, not harder. Kennedy's organization has a special care guide for LGBT people, and they make appearances at pride festivals and collaborate with LGBT organizations to try to reach out to those communities. But Kennedy says all that's just the beginning. Do you feel like caregivers are trained on this issue, or is there a lack of cultural competency training in these nursing homes or assisted livings or that kind of level of care? I don't believe they are trained, and I think that, you know, it's hard right now to even find people to be paid caregivers. So then, you know, mandate that they provide additional training is something that we're just not there yet. There definitely needs to be more work that happens there, absolutely. We still have a long way to go. But for Lori and Chris and Erica and Dean and Bill and so many others, the challenges of growing old LGBT are already a reality. The median age of Americans is getting older. By 2050, the number of Americans 65 and older is projected to grow to more than 85 million. Think about it. Those 85 million older adults will have 85 million million different life experiences. 
They'll have different needs, different skills, different families, different passions, and yes, different sexual orientations and gender identities. But one thing about all of them will be the same. They'll all need support. You just listened to the Aging Podcast from Here, Arizona. That's H-E-A-R, Arizona. This podcast is made possible by support from the Nina Mason Pulliam Charitable Trust. Here, Arizona podcasts are all about empowering our community, so we hope you'll join in the conversation. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. In this episode, you heard from the Pima Council on Aging, the Beatitudes Campus, and AARP Arizona. For more information about these organizations and other Arizona nonprofits working to support older LGBT people, head over to our resource page at hearearizona.org. Here, Arizona is a production of the Division of Public Service at Rio Salado College, which includes Sunsounds, Spot 127, Soundbite, KBOC, and KJZZ. Catherine Davis-Young produced this episode. Linda Pastore is our executive producer. I'm your host, Kathy Ritchie. Thanks for listening.